today on the show, we're talking about personal finance advice. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with my co-host, Trevor. And today we're talking about personal finance advice. Yeah, so I think personal finance advice is something everybody should be open to. I don't care what your age, at what stage in life you're at, you should be open to personal finance advice from the right group of people. So this show really was sparked from, I guess, my own life. And, and maybe a lot of you listening to, to this episode today can really identify with that because starting out, and I, Trevor, like, let me know if you feel the same way too, but starting out in, in, in your 20s, in your 30s, you, I mean, personal finance is this kind of rocky, rocky landscape where no one ever kind of holds you by the hand and, and really sits you down and, and tells you like, this is what it is. So I feel like most of the time you're kind of navigating the rocky waters by yourself on your own and only then and when maybe sometimes you ask for it or, or don't ask for it, do you get kind of the advice from other people? So and, and again, it, personal finance, it makes it such this, this large aspect of one's life that, and, and again, a lot of things can go wrong in this space. So I think this is why this episode is so pertinent and is so, I, I guess it, it really resonates with me. Well, I got some bad news for you. So <laughs> it may look that way in your 20s. Well, it's going to look that way all the time because you're always going to be moving into uncharted territory. And hopefully you are, because if you're not, it means you're stagnating and you're not, you're not progressing through life. So you should be confronted with uncharted personal finance territory all the time. So me in my fifties, I am confronted with uncharted territory. So, and I'm seeking advice still. So this, this should never go away if you're doing it right. And I think that is a really important key piece of information just to kind of set the grounds for this episode that really we're, we're all kind of trying to figure it out. And as we go through this episode, there's some things we're going to kind of talk about in terms of the place that Trevor's at, the places that I am at, and how we can kind of use advice to our advantage and how it may come at a disadvantage as well. Well, I, and I don't, I don't know that advice is ever going to become at a disadvantage. It's what you do with that advice that's going to make the difference, right? You should, be, you should be willing to take in all the advice that's being offered. And the more, the better. And from the more sources, even better. But it's how you use that advice that really makes the difference. No, and, and that is a good distinction because making going into this episode today, making this outline, thinking about all the things I want to discuss with you and the listeners today, I kind of went in with that that kind of that mindset that, you know what, like we always say that, and we're going to get into this too in the episode, but there are a million different scenarios, personal finance scenarios for a million different people. How can I possibly use the advice of someone else? How how possibly can I trust the advice of someone else? But I think this episode will hopefully kind of uncover that myth that maybe we hold in our minds. And at some level, I do as well. So I want to open up by, for our purposes, defining what advice is or means to us for the purpose of, of just kind of a general understanding. Well, I would caution... Uh, quite often 
people will offer their opinions about your given financial situation, even if you don't solicit it, they still might offer it. <laughs> there's, there's a ton of those people yes. out there. An opinion is different than advice. An opinion is really, in my mind, an opinion is judgment. Someone is judging you and your decisions. And they're judging your, you know, how, do you, how you ended up where you are, be it a good place or a bad place. An opinion is judgment. Advice is non-judgmental. It is, it is, it's not looking at all the things you did wrong and all the things you did right. Advice is, it's really sharing. So the perfect advice is someone who shares their philosophy with you. Not, 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 and when I say philosophy, so on this podcast, we, that's what we do. We, we give, I, I, I give philosophical thoughts about different personal finance situations Here's an example. If someone come up to me and said, hey, I'm thinking of buying a, a car. What should I get? And I said, oh, buy a used Honda Civic. <laughs> you can't go wrong. That's bad advice. What you should want is somebody who's willing to share their philosophy on car buying. That's way more powerful. That's something that you can use uh, over and over again. It not, but if, if, I, if someone came to me and described their financial situation to me and I said, and they said, what kind of car should I get? And I said, a $65,000 truck. <laughs> I'd, never, I'd never say that, no. And I, and I said, a Honda Civic. Well, just say I was right. And just say they bought the Honda Civic and I nailed it. Just say, okay, this, you know, genius, got it, <laughs> car works. The next time they go to buy a car, we're going to have to reinvent the wheel. They're going to have to say, okay, now I got three kids, you know, and I, I have a 30-minute commute and a trailer I'm trying to pull, you know. <laughs> should I get a Honda Civic? <laughs> I'm going to say, well, you know, probably not, right? But if you knew my philosophy on buying used cars, then you you now have the power to make decisions on your own. So that is, I think that's far more powerful. And so I think you've got opinions, specific advice, and then philosophical advice. That If you're to move through you know, the bad to the really good, that's how I would kind of arc it. And if, if you can get philosophical advice, and the thing with philosophical advice is it takes a little longer to get, right? People, you have to find somebody who's willing to give you their time and explain things. And that's not always going to be an option. So we will kind of get in. And, and, and one more thing about when you're soliciting advice, you're, you have to sort of, check your ego at the door. You, Ooh, yes, you, yes. You, you have to kind of kind of come at it from a position of no knowledge. You, know, it, you can't ask somebody for advice and then tell them they're wrong, <laughs> right? That, that, that's never going to work. You're never going to get advice from that person again, right? So when you're soliciting advice from somebody, leave your ego at home. It has no place in, in getting advice. So a few things from that, I love that distinction between kind of opinions, advice, and philosophical advice that I think that is very important to understand. And we are going to get into that kind of where the uh, the dangers when they start to kind of overlap. But uh, kind of one further clarification when we are defining advice, would you say that when it comes to maybe advice or philosophical advice that sometimes the examples or the person you were speaking to might refer to more of their scenario and their situation versus opinions is kind of fully just directed at what you have just 
proposed the person you were seeking advice from? Well, so if I were to give my personal experience in my philosophical advice, I'd be describing how it, it worked or it didn't work for me in a given situation. I wouldn't be giving my, uh, my specific example as trying to relate to them. It would be as proof as, as how my advice worked for me. So, so, but what I'm gathering though is that the philosophical advice is more, it's not actually related to the specific example that was presented. Maybe, maybe when some, someone comes to you with a specific scenario about their car, the, an opinion would be directly without kind of under, explaining the backs, the backstory of why the advice giver feels that way. Well, an example was just say somebody came to me and said, Hey, I'm thinking of buying a truck. What do you think? And I say, oh, that, that's that's a terrible idea. That's an opinion. Right, right, right. There's no advice there at all, right? Now, there's something there for the person. They're saying, okay, maybe I shouldn't buy a truck. I don't know why yet, but maybe I, I shouldn't be buying a truck. You know, this guy seems to have his personal finance thing together, and he's saying buying a truck's a bad idea, so maybe I won't. But that doesn't tell the person what they should buy. You know, my opinion is, you know, I don't think trucks are a good idea. And I, but I may know a lot about this person, and I've already processed all this thing internally in my mind. But my opinion, it, it has some use, right? If somebody came to me for it, but you can't do much with it. But where if 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 I my advice would be, again, specific advice would be, you know, buy a car. And then, okay, I'm not buying a truck and buying a car, so the advice is going a little further. The, the philosophy behind it is is what's going to, you're actually trying to, in a way, you're trying to sell your advice to the person. Even though they're soliciting it, I think it's on you. If you're giving advice, you should try to sell your position to this person. I mean, don't ram it down their throats, but 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 try to sell it in, in, a, in a, um, a meaningful way. I really, really love that distinction. That becomes kind of crystal clear what the distinction is between the two. So there's kind of three general, four general things we're going to kind of talk about, three actually, three overarching topics we're going to kind of dive into. So we're going to kind of start with people who may try to give advice um, or again, those you may seek advice from. Number two, we're going to go through is how to know you are kind of holding value or giving value to um, another person's advice. And the third area we're going to talk about is reasons we may kind of value or give into the opinion or the advice of the people we are seeking um, advice from. So uh, to start off, people who may try to give us advice. So I mean, I phrase this question, try to give advice, but in reality, we should probably spin it into people who may, uh, uh, who we may seek advice from. So kind of in that, in that kind of sense, Trevor, should, when it comes to advice seeking, advice seeking, advice taking, should we ever in the general sense be downright offering our advice to someone who, when it's not solicited or should we only offer advice in all circumstances to people who have specifically solicited from us if for a specific scenario or event? Okay, so that's a great question. So you should never give advice to somebody who's not asked for it. That is, that is terrible approach. 
you may you may want to help this person not make a terrible mistake, but if they don't solicit the advice, you offering it, it you must be talking to a wall. They're they're not interested. So never offer never offer advice that has not been solicited. That that's that's number one. That without question. So we are going to go through this list. There's uh, five kind of people or groups of people in your life who advice may come into play. And I'm going to kind of challenge you on what you just said there, Trevor, when we go through some of these items, because I do believe that sometimes, I don't want to say it is appropriate that individuals kind of give their advice, but sometimes it is a is something that is more appropriate than not appropriate. So first of all, the first group of people or person who may try to, who you may seek advice from is perceived general knowledge experts. So I, I think this is a great approach for general, okay, so they're, they're knowledge experts in a particular field, but this, this advice is good. It's worth getting, but these people probably don't know the nitty gritty details of your situation and, and they don't have time to take it in. Just say you're going to see a financial planner. You can only share so many details with your financial planner. They're, they're, they don't know your, your inner thoughts. Like when you're telling them uh, what your financial planner will ask you, what do you want your retirement to look like? And you might say, oh, I want to travel. I want to do international travel. And y- you may say that, but maybe you, you just want to do a little bit of travel. Like, like they don't know your day-to-day thoughts. And so someone close to you, they may not be an expert, but you wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel with them. They know your your wants and likes and desires more than, than an, just a subject matter expert would. So these people are worth getting advice from, but you you have to have your your act together when you go to see them because it's pro- chances are it's costing you to, to get advice from somebody like this. So you need to have your your all your facts or all the facts you're willing to share with this person uh, summarize so you can sort of minimize your the amount of time you're going to use of this person. So I'm going to ask this question when we go through the list a little bit more. But when it comes to um, this first number one perceived general knowledge experts such as a financial planner, does the the concern of your values being in line with the other person's values, is that going to play into the device that you may get? I mean, here uh, on Simple Money Solutions, we have kind of this specific value system in place. Um, and I'm assuming a lot of the individuals or most of the individuals listening to this uh, kind of share that maybe same value system. So does the value system of a, a knowledge, uh, kind of a general knowledge expert, is that going to, how is that going to influence or interfere with uh, the advice we receive? It is a factor, and here's an example. So this isn't with personal finance, but I'll give you an example. Say, say you're going to see a doctor, and one doctor, um, their answer to everything is to write you a prescription for medication. That That is their go-to strategy. And say another doctor is maybe more in favor of lifestyle adjustments first before they, they go to medication. So there's a philosophy of a, of a doctor. They're, they're going to try to solve your problem, both of them, but they both have a different philosophy or a different value system in medicine. One is going to try to treat it with medication. The other one is going to try to motivate you to make lifestyle adjustments. Both doctors are good. Both doctors are trying to help you get better. That's what they do. 
but they their value system or, or how they approach problem solving is different. So that, I know that's not a personal finance example, but that's an example where I have some family members that are going through uh, some medical problems and and one of them is being told to make lifestyle adjustments and the other one is being heavily medicated. They both feel better. <laughs> I, I don't know for how long, but they're the, the doctor has solved their problems, but it's interesting that there's been two different approaches to solve a similar problem. No, that's a really, really great example. And it does resonate well with uh, knowledge experts in the personal finance realm as well. And, and if you end up with a uh, knowledge expert, and I, I'm using a financial planner as an example, it could be an accountant, it could be anybody in the in the money world, you may have to invest some time. And if you run into somebody and you spend some time with an expert and they don't share your values, you might have to move on to another one to see if you find one that does. So this could be a time-consuming exercise as you try to seek advice. And, and, and like you said too, one, every knowledge expert is... I mean, an expert in their field. And and if, if you do meet with one and spend time with one and their advice doesn't resonate as deeply as another may, there, there's no fault to one knowledge expert or, or another. It's just who you are as an individual. So that's number one. We're going to move on to point number two. So the second group of people or person who you may seek advice from is individuals who have been where you are currently. Yeah, so this would be the generally the generation ahead of you. So it, it would be maybe people 10, well, not generation, maybe someone 10 years older than you. Someone who's, if you're in your 20s, you might get advice from somebody in their 30s. And I think this is pretty good advice, generally speaking. These, these people are close enough. I'm going to say a 10-year window is, is pretty good. These people are close enough to understanding your position because they were recently in it where somebody who's in their 50s might not relate well to somebody in their 20s you you quickly forget the struggles of your 20s and i think not much has changed you know there has things have changed in 10 years but not dramatically so the advice someone in their 30s is given someone in their 20s i think it's probably pretty about relevant so it the only problem is, and this could be an older sibling, just say, it's, I think it, would, it could be quite humbling to seek advice from somebody who's that close to your age. So this is going to really mean checking your ego at the door uh, to get the advice from somebody who's just 10 years older than you. So th- this one is probably uh, better advice than you could, you, you could imagine. The, the only downside is you don't know how, maybe they bought a house, a really big house. And you want their advice on buying houses. And they're going to say, well, buy a big house. That's what I did. But you haven't seen it play out yet. So for some aspects of of life, uh, you haven't seen the result of that decision play out to its entirety. So uh, the bigger the the financial concern, the, the more risky it is to get someone who's just a little bit older than you get their advice. Now, if it's just say they bought a brand new car and you ask their advice and they're still paying for that brand new car. They got an. Uh, they were lucky enough to get an eight-year car loan. <laughs> it, lucky. It, yeah. So, and if they say, "Oh, I'm loving my car," and they're still paying for it, that that's advice in itself, right? That kind of. I don't want to be in their position. 
And with, so I agree with all of what you just said, but, and, and with this, uh, this group of ind- individuals, so individuals who have been where you are, I feel like this group of in- these individuals are going to very easily and readily talk to you about how very openly too, and honestly and transparently talk about how they got to where they are, because it is, I, I mean, at the core of it, it is, I think we all realize that it's easy to have other people kind of talk about their situation because it's something that we we all kind of enjoy talking about ourselves. It's, it's like a fact. Well, most most people do at least. So, and, and especially if, if they ended up in a, in a good situation or a positive situation, I mean, less so again, they may be as open if, if it didn't quite work out. But if it did, they're going to be very, very willing to kind of share that because like Trevor said, they are, you are seeking their advice. And here's one other thing to consider is people will generally be willing to help you as long as they feel you are beneath them. They're, so someone who's close to your age, they're not going to help you to the point that you're going to um, surpass their wealth with with this person's advice. Like, it, it, I I wouldn't do this, but I I know people who have been super helpful to me, and then when I start hitting success, uh, their helpfulness seems to wane quickly. That's a great point. And I, have you experienced this firsthand, or something that you are kind of just thinking firsthand. firsthand okay so yeah and and that does make sense so uh, Trevor I last last kind of thought on this point before we move on but I'm sure you kind of wandering into the financial and financially independent retiring or semi-retiring by age 55 again it's something that is I'm sure more more people than we know um, go through, but again, it's not the the, the traditional retire at sixty five age. So, I believe that at this point, well, I, I'm struggling to find. You are so you are struggling to find people who have I'm, been where you are. I am. I am struggling to find people who have gone down this path, because the generation before me, they all had these traditional pension plans. Then they kind of had to work till they were sixty five, or most of them did. So the, I I don't know many people in my circle that. I do have one friend who retired at 55 and it is going fabulously well. So I, I check in with him regularly. So, so, so but I, that, that one individual that you have in your life, I mean, I'm sure. So that's a huge, massive decision, re- retiring 10 years earlier than the traditional retirement age. So, I mean, for little things such as, um, it, I don't, I mean, buying a car isn't by any means little, but it's kind of a thing, a decision that we can quickly recover from. But retiring 10 years early is, is it's not permanent, but it's, it's more permanent than a car we can simply sell if we've made a bad decision. So when it comes to these bigger decisions like as like yours that is when i think we we rely on point number two the most well you know something this this friend of mine who retired at 55 uh, one observation i've made and this wasn't advice but it was an observation which i took as advice through just through my observation skills was whenever he talked about you know if he bought something and he i said oh how much was that he would tell me right down to the penny. Like, you know, this was a dollar 23, you know, or how much did you pay for that? Or $22.67. You know, like he would never round anything off. And it it always struck me as odd that he was so specific. And I, I, I figured it out quickly that he is counting every penny. 
Like, it, there's no rounding in his world. So you raise a really, really great point there that um, actions sometimes speak as loud as words when it comes to personal finance advice. Well, but you have to be observant. Like, uh, this guy is a mentor to me. And, and when he talks, I listen. And when he tells me about just things he does and, and things he's concerned with, uh, I, I'm all ears because because he's where I want to be. So I, I'm if I could follow his path as closely as possible, I got to think I'll kind of end up in the same place. I like that. So let's let's move on to number three of six. So the third group of people or person who you may seek advice from are individuals who are where you are. And so this is these people could offer good advice. Again, these people probably aren't going to help you surpass where they are. That's that's the one downside. But their advice is is probably good on small ticket type of decisions. Because again, their story hasn't played out yet. So you don't know if it's going to end with a happy ending or a sad ending, right? So it, it, it's hard to say. I... I do seek the advice of, of people my age and, and I ask them, you know, I, I'm getting some windows in my house and I've asked people similar to my age, you know, what kind of windows did you get put in? And I, I'm curious to see because I, you know, there's no sense asking somebody in their 20s what kind of windows are putting in. They don't even <laughs> own a house, you know. So it, I, I do seek advice, but n- not big, large scale advice, just small scale advice. So that's, I, I, I really like that you brought up kind of the phenomenas that you and and at, at this point it might be your peers are experiencing because sometimes things happen, things occur, maybe you're a new parent or you're just entering the workforce or you are whatever kind of point you are in life. It's, I think it's, it's, it's reassuring or good to know or good to bounce kind of thoughts or ideas off of um, other people who are maybe going through the exact same thing because it kind of brings a, a sense of, of sanity to something or it brings a sense of kind of just understanding or or, or any kind of sense of reassurement maybe that uh, of what other people are experiencing is maybe similar or, or different than your own experiences. Well, the risk of going with people you're, who are where you are, which who are probably in the same age range you are, is w- one risk is it could normalize a bad situation, it could normalize it. Just say, oh, we're all in debt. That, that's what you do in your 20. You just have debt. So it could normalize that, that concept, which is bad. And these people are, they're probably more likely to offer their opinions, which is more of a judgment. And if it does go to advice, it's going to be very specific advice as opposed to philosophical advice. I like that. I like that uh, clarification. That is, again, why we open the show by defining opinions versus philosophies um, and versus uh, just kind of just to make that clarification, because you're right, Trevor, when it comes to this level, that can get a little muddled, I'm sure. So that was number three, the fourth of six group of people or person who may um, you may seek advice from is individuals who want to be where you are. Yeah, and so individuals who want to be, so I have a friend, I want to be where he is. He's, he's close to my age. And I think these are great people to seek advice from. But again, you don't, you don't want to be 20 
and looking at somebody who's 70 and saying, I want to be where he is. There's no question you, you may want to be there, but their advice, their philosophical advice is probably going to be worth getting, but any specific advice is probably going to not work. Somebody who's 70, given to somebody who's 20, uh, specific advice is probably not going to be very useful, but the philosophical advice is probably worth getting. So this specific point was also, I also wanted to spin it on it on the other side as well. So specifically someone um, with, with less experience or less knowledge or less years on that, that person with kind of less everything in, in the, the sense being the advice giver. Is there ever a scenario where you have or would look to the opinions or, or not opinions, I guess the advice of someone, someone maybe younger or, or in, 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 in all the senses? Well, assuming it's not a knowledge subject expert, so I'm going to assume it's not that situation. Uh, you just say you've never dabbled in investing ever, and you have a young nephew who has, then that person would be a great resource to get advice from. So that there's an example where if it's something you've just never dabbled in, and all of a sudden you're, you have an interest or you have some free money you want to invest, if somebody younger has been doing it for years, why not? I mean, that's great advice. And this one, more than maybe any of the other people you may seek advice from, is definitely one, like you've been saying, you have to check your ego at the door 100% with this one because I think there's this perceived, or maybe it's supposed to be real, I'm not sure, that as we get older, we're supposed to be a little bit more maybe in tune with with personal finance and the correct way to go about it. But Again, whether that's real or perceived or are made up by society, um, I think it kind of going down in generations and seeking advice from people with less experience, less knowledge, um, and less years of their lives is, is something that maybe can feel uncomfortable. This sounds crazy, but I like to be the most unknowledgeable person in the room because I figure when I leave this room, I'm going to be a better person because of it, because everyone in here knows more about whatever we're talking about than I do. So when I leave this room, I'm going to be more knowledgeable than when I came in. I I love that. I absolutely, that may be like the quote of this show. And that shows right there the the level of, of humbleness that we that we really should be ex- kind of just portraying and, and exuding from us on a daily basis, because there, there is always more to learn. I remember I went into a meeting. This is a work related thing. And I went to a meeting and I was the only accountant in a room full of engineers. And rather than be intimidated, I thought, I'm going to ask a ton of questions. I am going to get knowledgeable about this manufacturing process. What an opportunity. And and I did. So, and I just kept firing off the questions and, and quandaries. And these guys were more than happy to educate me. I love that. I love that example. So I want to move on now to, so I, I, there's, there's five and six are left, or the, the fifth and sixth kind of element or people or person or group of people who may try to, or you may seek um, advice from. So I'll just kind of say them right now. So the first are parents. So the, the fifth point is parents. And the sixth is family and friends. So I've specifically broken these up because I do think there are different nuances 
within these two, kind of two layers, yes, they're both family or, or friends or close to you, but I think there are really different nuances. So the parents is a tough one. So parents, they, they can be the best advice and the worst advice you'll ever get. And this is why. So you're, there's nobody that cares more about you in the entire world, the whole planet, than your parents. They, until you're a parent, you'll never understand it. But in terms of caring for your well-being and, and wanting the best for you, it is your parents. So why wouldn't you go to your parents for advice? Well, if it's your parents have a what I call a dog in the fight. And if you get some risky advice and it doesn't work out, most I'm going to say there isn't a parent around that isn't going to come to the aid of their child and help them recover from that mistake. I mean, at some point you probably... If, if this happens over and over, maybe a parent can't afford to, but you know, if it's a one-off, the parents are going to be there to help their child. That's what they do. So the, your parent is at a very subconscious level. They're not going to say, go all in, man, <laughs> take everything you got and put it on this. It sounds like it, it could work out, <laughs> right? Cause then if it doesn't, your parent is, they have a dog in the fight. They're going to be there picking up the pieces, helping you get back on your feet if it doesn't work out. So their advice is tainted. And even if they don't want it to be, at a subconscious level, it is. So I'm sorry to all the parents out there. I'm one myself. That's just the way it is. You can't, your your advice is not the be all and end all. The, the only thing that makes you different is nobody cares more about that person than a parent. So that that's the one thing you got. The downside is you have a dog in the fight. If it doesn't work out, you, you, you're kind of, it's going to cost you too. And when it comes to parents specifically, I think the, I made the, I kind of pointed it out earlier, but the, we are kind of actions speak as loud as words. This, this specific point, I think really rings loud and clear when it comes to parents and that we may, our whole life, we grow up uh, being inspired by looking up to um, these, these people who raised us. So we, and, and a lot of this may be kind of in, it gets ingrained in us subconsciously without us even realizing. So we may be really embodying or doing or taking on our parents' actions, which could be maybe synonymous with synonymous with advice without even realizing it. So, and, and again, a lot does change generation from generation. Would, would you have to agree with that, Trevor? Well, that's the other problem is your parents are, you know, they, they, they're 30 years older than you probably so what worked for them might not work for you. So again, the, that age gap, it, it can work against you. But here's an example. So just say your, your child graduates from university and you get, I get this all the time. So I'll ask somebody, so how's your kids doing? Oh, they got a really stable job, <laughs> you know, government job, super stable. Super safe. You know, they're, yeah, super safe. And, and that's that's how they describe it. Very stable, not not exciting, not cutting edge, right? You know, so that's that's not the best career advice in, in every case. Some people, that's great career advice, depending on, you know, the, the, the individual who has the job, they might feel better in a, in a safe, secure government job. Other people, they want to be working at some cutting edge tech company. But their parents were their parents advice was oh no go for the safe one 
you can't you can't miss with Revenue Canada. <laughs> you know that's the and I'm not knocking anyone who works there, but that's a safe, stable job. So, uh, but a tech startup is not right. That's something that we might hear we might be here tomorrow. We might not. So, but it might be a really exciting job, right? You're you know, inventing things, and so that's that's an example where parental advice is tainted. But you're right. The generation gap, it, the advice has to be taken with a grain of salt. What worked, like, so for instance, my parents, they they worked, when, when they worked, they had these traditional pension plans that pay you till you die. Well, my parents' advice was get a job where you can get a pension like that. That, it didn't matter what I did or what, you know, how much is being paid, make sure you get that pension and don't stop looking for a job until you get that pension. Well, you know what? My my parents didn't understand those pensions are gone. They don't exist. They they, they were just fading away. So the the chances of me landing one was like winning a lottery. So that advice was no good, right? But that was the advice I was given. I I cannot agree more. And we're gonna dive into this in the next section. But like they didn't even ask. They didn't even ask how much does the job pay. The first thing they said was, "What's the pension like?" <laughs> What's the pension? And I like? said, "I, I don't know." <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. But what I do want to say about this is that, and like I said, we will dive into um, how we know we're giving weight to other other people's advice. Um, But this, the parents, the the advice from our parents, I think, just because of how close we are to them, and we're going to kind of see that in point number six with family and friends as well. But that advice is we may hold near and dear and i mean trevor if 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 you're looking for that job that offered that life a pension till you die you may still be jobless today so i think it just really illustrates that and we're going to talk about that again but how we need to know when we are and why we may be kind of holding uh our parents advice or anyone's advice uh near and dear but you know that that example that was a philosophical advice. You know, a job, get a job with a pension. I, I don't care what you do, how much you make. You could be pumping septic tanks for all I care. If it comes with a pension, that's the job you want. That was a philosophy that doesn't didn't apply to my generation. That that did not apply. But but it took you realizing that it took you not kind of it took you thinking about that that advice and and really pondering it and not just internalizing it and taking it as fast hard cold truth for you to uh so you really you had to digest it. You had to digest that piece of advice and and then make sure it fit where you were in in your employment journey. Well, how it played out for me was the first job I got didn't have that pension, so I said, "Well, I'll take this job." Well, I'm and I'll keep looking for that pension job, right? And I never did find it. But that that advice made me felt like I failed. Yes. You know, because my parents' advice, I knew they had my best interest at heart. And I knew that if I didn't get this job with a pension, I will have failed miserably. Not not in pleasing them, just, you know, I'm doomed is the is the message I was given. And I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I think that that word failure, especially when it comes to our parents and, and people that we hold really close to us. I think when it comes to advice specifically, that the idea of failure really goes hand in hand, which is, again, I think a big reason why this episode today is important to talk about. 
Well, you're seeking advice to avoid failure is really what you're trying to do. Or, or you're seeking advice to get to a uh, predictable outcome. That, that's the whole purpose of, of, of advice in my mind. Definitely. I, I agree with that. And like you said, when we started kind of talking, having talking about parents is those people, you know, in your heart that they want you to succeed more than anything. So that I think that's why we, we may just internalize our parents advice, no questions asked, because they wouldn't lead us wrong. So that's number five, parents. Number six is family and friends. So this is separated from parents just because there we we have we have sometimes friends and family who are very very close to us and friends and family that are more distant from us as well and sometimes we may um give or receive the advice or or ask for the advice from these members of our family and friends who are closer and kind of hold it as close as we may family and friends who are more distant well the good thing about advice from this group of people is they know your inner workings of your mind. If you spend enough time with them, they they know the things you like and don't like. They know you've probably had enough conversations of, of the out, you know the the path you want to lead down life down. That they they know this, so you don't like we're with the subject matter expert. You would have to explain all that stuff. These people they already know how how you conduct your life. If you're a conservative person or a risk taker, they already know all that and to what degree. So if you give them a scenario, like I'm thinking of buying a $65,000 truck, <laughs> I love that example, um, they would quickly say, wow, that doesn't sound like you, right? That, that That's advice right there, right? That That's, you know, why the change of heart? You know, you, you've hated trucks your whole life. <laughs> uh, sorry, truck owners. But, uh, and all of a sudden now you want to buy a brand new $65,000 truck? You know, have you lost your mind? Like what's changed? And they're going to, their advice is 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 going to be quick a quick turnaround, and I, I think that's the, one of the benefits of this group of people. And they're not your parents, so if if they say, "Yeah, go get that truck, man. You you've earned it," and you get the the eight year truck loan that goes with it, and you're miserable, well, they're not going to come there and say, "Well, we'll help you out," right? That that's not their job. So uh, their advice may it, it's it's not going to have that cautionary tale in it, right? I think at the same time, though, when you are seeking advice from family and friends, it, it could be, there could also be kind of clouded judgment at the same time, too, if it comes to cultural or societal norms or expectations around the way you've been raised or or maybe how distant you are with these friends and family. Like I just, I caution, I, I, I caution, I think, from fully at, at all times, uh, kind of the the advice from friends and family just because it, it, it i guess it depends well, and, scenario to scenario in this group you may tend to get the unsolicited advice. yes that yes exactly yes 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 and i think that's exactly where i'm getting at <laughs> and I, i'm because friends and family they you you and and parents too maybe you will get the unsolicited advice as well from these and i think that is where kind of trouble can lie because you do receive thoughts or in advice that you that is going to kind of cloud your judgment when wait when making decisions and we are going to get into that later in the next two sections and remember unsolicited advice is nothing more than an opinion or judgment against you so if you do get unsolicited advice and you you 
do cherish the relationship with this person, advice aside. For me, I just listen to the advice, nod my head and thank them and move on. I like... Because if, yeah. if, you, if you push back, you just create tension and it, it, it could get ugly in a hurry. No, that's a great way to kind of... That way you don't internalize advice in, in the wrong way. Okay, so that was people who we may seek advice from. The next session, next section we're going to talk about is how to know you are giving value or giving weight to another group or another person's advice. So there's kind of five ways that this comes into play that that I, that I was kind of thinking of. And I'd love your thoughts on these, Trevor. So number one is you may second guess your decisions. So you're saying someone's giving you advice and then you've made a decision based on the advice and now you're second guessing it? Yeah, this one, yeah, it, it, you kind of, you yeah, you pull advice from other people, yes, and, and it kind of makes you question your decision. This has happened to me where I get, I, I purposely go out and seek advice from multiple people regarding the same issue and I'll get contradicting advice and I, I will have caught myself getting from advice from people who I don't want to end up where they are. And I'll get advice from people where I do want to end up where they are. So, and I want to see what kind of advice I get from either one. And, and if I get the same advice from both, I'm very confused. That's, that's interesting because I'm sure that when you go... Because then, then, then I start wondering, you know, am I, am I asking the right question? Right. And that's when I start second guessing myself. And then also I'm sure the, because we all live very vastly different um, personal finance lives. Again, no one's personal finance equation looks the same. So if you've got the kind of the same advice from two different people, you kind of wonder if, if you're, yeah, if you're even maybe making a decision that makes sense for you when you know maybe the values of those you're asking or, or, or talking with or how your lifestyle varies from theirs. So that's number one, you second guess your decisions. Number two is, and I'm guilty of this so, so much. So I guess I should preface this by also by saying that I hold other people's advice dear and dear and near. And that's kind of where this episode stemmed from. So number two is you find yourself relying on the input from others. And so this could be twofold. So one issue could be you're getting specific advice from people and you're asking too pointed of a question. So you're saying, what car should I buy? And they're saying a Honda Civic. Well, the next time you need to buy a car, you got to come back to the same person. What car should I buy? You know, uh, uh, a minivan, you know, and, and you're, 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 so you're lazy. You're getting lazy, getting specific advice because you're asking very pointed questions. And so the, I think to get out of this trap is ask somebody not the further advice, but their philosophy. Use that specific word. What's your philosophy on water heaters? You know, should you rent them? Should you buy them? Not, don't ask the pointed question, you know, should I buy a water heater or should I rent one? But I guess, you know, <laughs> that's the same question. That's a bad example. But you know what I mean? If you ask pointed questions about very specific advice, you end. I think you end up getting lazy and relying on, the, and if it worked out, you're going to go right back to the well, right? And say, well, what should I do now? And, and you're, you're, not, you're not developing a toolkit of your own with philosophies that work universally. 
I I love that approach and that again that's that's the kind of a different approach I was looking at this point from but I love I love the kind of the laziness factor that does get wrapped into that the way I was kind of approaching it was that and we're going to get into reasons why we reach out to other people for their advice. So I, I don't I don't want to get too much into this, but for the specific point where we rely on others' input, it's from the standpoint that we we don't think we can make the decision on our own. And we believe that... But I think that, that goes back to being lazy. So you think it you're, you're, it always goes back then is what you're saying. I, I do think it is. You're, you just become dependent, I'll say through the laziness of not... To, not getting the philosophies built up of your own from the inputs of others you, you haven't you haven't built a value system to make decisions with you're just you're you, and that's where the lazy part comes in you you've been too lazy to develop the value systems and you might get caught up in you know i'm too busy i just need an answer right and, and you're always too busy and you always just need an answer but really you, what you need and which would be more beneficial is a value system of philosophies for making your own decisions. I love that. I love that. And so if you do find yourself kind of not making a decision until you can, until your friend gets back to you or you can con- connect with your parents or you can talk with your mentor, maybe it means that you kind of have to look introspectively to see why exactly you find yourself in that place. And I, I love that, Trevor. I, I love that it goes back to looking at your value system, looking at wh- wh- what's within. Now, if you're somebody who who's on the other end of that all the time, and someone's always coming to you, and you're always giving them an answer, you're just feeding the, the monster, right? So what you could do is ask them, what kind of outcome are you looking for? Rather than giving them an answer, ask them the question, what kind of outcome are you hoping for in this decision? I just dropped my mic on the ground. That was yes. So the mic drop moment, if you're just joining us, is when Trevor says something fantastic and I'm left speechless and it's just like a, his, his mic drops because it's like there's nothing left to say. But that, yes, I cannot agree more with that. I guess that would be my mic. That yes, your mic drops and I go silent. <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. So I, I yes, that that's a genius thing to ask someone who is coming to you seeking advice. The next one, so point number three of five reasons or in five ways you you know um, you're kind of valuing the the advice you are seeking um, and, and what they're kind of the answers they're providing you is that you feel bad about your financial decisions. And this is where you should only feel bad is if you went to get advice from somebody you really admire and they give you some solid advice and you don't follow it. Then you should feel bad. You should actually be embarrassed. You got some really good philosophical advice about something and you didn't follow it. And if you, if you come back to that person for more advice on how to get out of this mess that I'm in because they didn't follow your first advice, you should feel real bad because it's like you didn't value their input and now you're here back again. Like you should be so gracious if this person actually gives you advice a second time. So that's the only time you should feel bad. Now, if you followed their advice and it didn't work out, well, don't blame it on them for for starters and don't feel bad because you took, now you, I always say this, now you know what not to do. So you have wisdom. 
I can hear so many listeners right now saying, whoa, 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 Trevor. Because at the at the end of the day, I mean, you I think that's the whole point of advice. We are we are allowed to maybe seek the advice from other people, but not feel like we have to follow it. Or, or do you think if you are seeking advice, you're all of a sudden um, kind of stuck with with following that piece of advice, regardless of how much you admire, look up to, trust this individual or group of people you uh, sought advice from? So when I started, the, when we started this podcast, I got some advice about starting a podcast. And the advice I got was, don't worry about the technology, just focus on the content. People will, if you get the content figured out and you get a following, then the, the, the technology, you can worry about that later. And I followed that advice. And then I got to the point, I, I went back to this person. I said, I followed your advice. I focus on the content. I've got this many episodes out. Uh, now what should I do with this technology? And that person was like all over me with advice, you know, because I, I proved to them that I, I took their first advice. So I went back to them and they had nothing but time for me. So I like that example. That really does illustrate this point. But I, I think I'd have to caution everyone and, and, and anyone listening to this that is it you, you really have to know who you're reaching out, who you're reaching out to for advice and who you, whose advice you take at, at kind of face value as it is, apply it directly because I mean, it, it doesn't, it could end poorly or bad. And we will get into the next section about what happens when we maybe um, we, we, we really value this, this advice and it, and it kind of goes south. But if, if you got philosophical advice and it didn't work out, it could be on you. You didn't give enough details. You didn't describe your, your situation um, in, a, in a good, in a perfect light. And, and the philosophical advice, you didn't interpret it correctly. Like it, there could be a whole bunch of scenarios, but I would never feel bad about it. I only feel bad if I had to go back to this person because I didn't follow their advice, their, their good advice in the first place. So the next area is, this is the next area in how we can know ourselves if we're valuing or giving value to another person's advice is if you as a person are indecisive or easily swayed. And I think if you are, so if you're indecisive and that's why you're going for advice, you you may have an underlying issue that needs to be resolved. Like the indecisiveness is 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 not a lack of knowledge. It's just you are indecisive by nature and you're, you're hesitant to make a decision. And we talked about this before. No decision, if you wait long enough, it, it ends up being a decision. And if you're easily swayed, this would suggest that you're gullible, right? That's kind of where you're going with that. And I, if you're gullible, you're, you're getting the advice from the wrong people. If you think that you're, you being a gullible person is going to work against you, you're obviously not going to people who have your interests at heart. So this, this point number four really as well stemmed from the idea that we don't have all the answers that we don't, we, we don't know if we're ever making the right decision. And, and I think, and I, I mean, I know, I'm sure you can say the same thing, but I, I feel like I, in your twenties that that is exasperated because you really, you don't have as much life experience or personal finance experience behind you 
in quote unquote, the adult world, making adult decisions, because before that you were just maybe in post-secondary in high school. And you know what I mean? There hasn't been that my first home, my first mortgage, my first car, my first putting my child through school. So all those kind of bigger scale decisions were that are a lot bigger. You haven't had the chance to make. So I feel like at this point, especially we may look up to, um, uh, up up top in the next section, uh, the the second point of individuals who have been where you are. You know, in my fifties, I have the luxury of looking back twenty years to my kids and seeing their struggles, and looking ahead. I say thirty years, and looking ahead thirty years to my parents and their struggles. So, in your fifties, you get to see kind of the generation behind you and the generation ahead of you at the same time and it's a rare opportunity and i can honestly say that they this the the uncertainty the uncharted territories they never go away this this doesn't get sorted out by age 30 this doesn't get sorted out by age 50 there's always something in the horizon that you're not you're not sure of it it never there's never calm water it it just and I remember in my 20s saying, I can't wait till I'm whatever age when all this is behind me. But there's always something else in front of you. I promise you. So just live life and, and, and enjoy it because the, the, the uncharted territory is, is always in the horizon. I want to frame that and like put it on my wall. Like that is so profound. I I love that. And it's reassuring I think t- to anyone listening to that to this today to know that it never like the decisions, I guess the decisions and the weight of those decisions and the kind of the 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 largeness of those decisions it, 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 we move from decision to decision but there it always feels that large and that and that monumental so it that is it's really kind of reassuring to hear that you know what the the transition is is in your 20s you have nothing but time but you really don't have any money and you're you're wondering if you will ever have money right that that's how you kind of feel if if, if it's ever going to show up and i can only imagine in your 70s and 80s you have very little time and in fact, there's more time behind you than there is in front of you. And you probably have, hopefully you have a lot of money, but time becomes the currency of life even more. And I, I see that in my 50s, that it's, I can see it moving in that direction. And it, you, you'll always be sort of yearning for something. No, that, that totally, that definitely rings true. So uh, last but not least in the section of how to know that you are, how to know that you are valuing the advice from another person is that you succumb to keeping up with the Joneses. So this one is you're not, you're not seeking advice at all. You're just being lazy and you're just mimicking people around you. So if you're keeping up with the Joneses, you have done nothing to, um, you have sought out no advice. You had made no decisions. You're just mirroring the the people in your circle. You're just doing whatever they're doing. I did that when I bought my my one and only new car. Everybody I knew was buying new cars, so I bought a new car. And that was me just mimicking. I didn't seek out someone's advice on buying cars. I just said, everyone's buying new cars. <laughs> it must be the thing to do. So I went and bought a new car, and I was miserable. So 
that that to me is 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 just pure laziness. You're not even trying at that point. And again, this one plays out too, like you said, kind of even if you didn't get direct advice on what car you should buy, the actions of others around you that you valued, such as your family and maybe your friends, were doing that and, and you kind of jumped on board. So this this one, like you said, not only does laziness ring through in this point, but also kind of not really maybe truly thinking through your decisions um, and, and it's just it kind of more instantaneous, more... Um, spur of the moment decisions, which again, when it's when it's a new car, or a new truck, that that really needs a little bit more thought. So that was the second section. We're going to move on to the final section, and I I'm really excited about this final section. And this is reasons we value other people's advice. So this is kind of where some of the more deep seated underlying. Um, issues or problems or challenges that you're facing might show through. And and these are actually the underrooting problems, again, why we may be valuing other people's advice. So there are five in this section. And the first one is lack of confidence. So I don't think advice fixes this. Lack of confidence is you, you end up just becoming dependent on an external decision maker. That That's what... I, if you don't address your confidence issue, then you will just be leaning on somebody else to make the decisions for you. And I think the way that I believe this comes through is that just like me in my 20s, I don't maybe with a certain decision or anyone else in their 20s or 30s, they look around, they look up to individuals who are older than them who have accomplished more than them. And they believe that they don't have the, the they don't have the confidence to make those, those smart financial decisions. I, I do think the more decisions you make that work out, you do build up a confidence but I don't think advice is going to solve a lack of confidence. It just in the situation you described, time is going to solve that. Definitely. But I, when, when we're talking about reasons, though, I think that this might be an underlying reason. We just lack that confidence um, in, in why we may See, rely on other people's advice. I disagree. Advice. I disagree. If, if it's a lack of confidence, you need to address that as an issue. All on its I own. I don't think... Yeah, I don't think... Going to somebody for advice because you're not you you lack confidence self confidence in yourself that 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 to me that doesn't hold water. That's fair. So the second reason we may value the um, the advice of others is due to maybe I'll say a perceived lack of experience or knowledge. We convince ourselves that others know better when no one might know our situation and goals as well as we do. I think this one is a solid reason to get advice from somebody else. Absolutely. I would, I would, if you lack the experience or knowledge in any particular area of personal finance, you should always seek advice. And would you say this, this point is true regardless of your age, where you're at, how much experience you have in, in whatever the subject matter is, you think that this, this always holds true. I mean, I know it rings true for you, but is this is, this is true across the board. I can tell you have this, this thing going on in the back of your mind where you think that you're going to hit some magic age and you're going to have 
all the pieces put together. Honestly, right? honestly, if I want to get real honest right now, walking into this episode today, I was convinced that you would you would you would tell me that at this I at age I'm almost 55 and I finally got life figured out so I do want to say that this episode and I hope everyone listening listening to this today who has had my same false belief that there is this magic age magic number that you have to hit that you find that that everything finally makes sense and you have the everything figured out to make all the decisions and you don't need advice that it's good to know that day will never come well, and it, it kind of is like this is when you're in your 20s, you, you do lack the knowledge and experience to, to make good decisions. That, that, that's, that's a for sure. But when you're in your 50s and 60s, you lack the time to recover from a bad decision. So you become very hesitant and you seek out advice for that reason. So the reason you're seeking out advice is, cha- is evolving constantly. But when you're, when you're 50 or 60, you can't afford to get a big financial decision wrong because you, have, you haven't got the time to recover Ooh, yes. if it does go bad. But in, in your 20s, if you got it wrong in your 20s, you got a, a long time to recover from it. Wow. See, that that is revolution. I mean, that's a revolutionary thought that, that the reason we seek advice changes. And you are like just thinking, putting on your perspective, like you maybe. And in at the age you are now, maybe you're seeking advice more than you did in your maybe 40s or 30s, kind of that in between your 20s and and now. So I I do I do really that point resonates. Like here's an example: I, I'm leaving my job at 55. That that's a decision I'm making. Here's something you you're probably entertaining is in your 20s you're you're, you're finding it hard to get a job because you have no experience. Well, when your when your age starts with a five. Getting a job because you have you're you're too old or, or people don't think you're going to be around long enough to invest in in you as an employee, it's hard to land a job in your fifties. It's it compared to in your twenties or thirties. So there's a risk right there of of leaving work early and getting it wrong. Is finding another job when you're in your fifties? It's it's hard to do. So I've heard. So we so in that case, we definitely seek out the advice to make sure that. We, we don't, quote unquote, make mistakes. So the third reason we value other people's advice is that, and, and, and this is kind of overvaluing advice, in my opinion, this point is, is what it leads to, but not wanting to own our own financial decisions. And so this would be like a real bad way, reason to seek out advice is, is if it, it, imagine you, you seek out advice and really good philosophical advice about a decision, and it doesn't work out. You you have to own that decision, even though it was advice from somebody else. At the end of the day, you make all your decisions, so you have to own it. it, it you you can't you can't seek advice, and if it goes bad, say, well, I won't go to him for advice anymore. It, it didn't work out. You have to own your decisions. Definitely. And and you did mention earlier how if you even if you seek advice from a trusted, the most trusted mentor you have in your life that at the end of the day, you still like you said, have to have to have to own that and it's up to you to apply that philosophy. And that's why actually I like the distinction between a philosophical advice because 
hopefully a really trusted mentor is going to give you truly, not an opinion, but truly uh, philosophical advice so that you are able to apply that philosophical advice in the way, in the matter, in the form that works for your own financial decision. I think that's a definition of how you know if you received solid uh, philosophical advice is because you really can manipulate it kind of like Plato to really just fit your your scenario and situation and make sure that whatever decision you make, you own it. It is yours and there is no one to blame or turn to or or get frustrated or, or, or mad at for, for making your decisions for you. Um, number four, the fourth reason why we value other people's advice so much is, and these two are the big ones. So four and five are the really, really, I think, uh, moving points. And number four is, and Trevor mentioned earlier, we don't have a well-defined value or we don't have a, uh, so four and five are, we don't have a well-defined uh, goal or goals. And number five is we um, we haven't yet developed a value system. So if if you're seeking advice because you don't, you don't know where you want to end up in life. Like, like some, if whoever you're getting advice from, if they don't know what your goals are in life, that you should not like their advice is not that useful. It, it should be advice that you, you, you almost don't take. I mean, it, it, if, if I'm saying to somebody, uh, I would like to get your car buying advice. And they said, if, if they didn't know me and they, assumed I wanted to work till I was 70 or you want to work till you're 55. Like how do they know how much money you want to invest in a car? Like you, if you don't have a goal, a financial goal to share, like you almost have to give the the person you're asking advice, you almost have to give them the, your goal, your outcome, where you want to end up. And does this advice reason check with that? I, I love that. I, but I have a kind of a follow up question to that. If should you be seeking advice from someone while you're trying to define your goals or is setting financial goals for something really something you have to do by yourself and um, without the, the the input from others? Well, I think you could get advice on a goal. You know, for instance, I'm, I'm retiring at 55. I get unsolicited advice from retired people all the time saying, retirement isn't what you think it's going to be. You're going to hate it. You know, it's, it's, it's not this, uh, 365 day vacation. It's going to get old in a hurry. I'm getting that advice. I'm not even asking for it, but I appreciate it. And I'm thinking about that advice as it's coming in and I'm reevaluating my goals. And not that we like to kind of, kind of take advice and, and, and spin it negatively, but it also could, you could look around and add the advice you're getting and it could positively or negative negatively affect kind of the way your goals are going. I think if, if you get advice from someone, it can help kind of shape your long-term where you want to go vision. Well, when I look at people who are retired and they may have retired at the traditional age, but they've been retired for quite a while and they're telling me retirement's not all it's cracked up to be. And I, I listen because I, I, I value these people's opinion and it may shape and mold my, my goals. It, it, it should, the advice should, if it's good sound advice and you really admire the person who's giving it, then it, it could help define or reevaluate some of your life goals. 
So I, I kind of want to, I want to zero in on something that you just said there. So if someone is, someone's just, you're engaging in a conversation with someone, take the retiree who retired at the, at the standard age of 65. Are, do you, do you take any nuggets of information that they're telling you then as advice or do you, when you are seeking advice, are you pointedly asking um, for advice and make your kind of your mission of that conversation clear does does it play out in both ways or do you specifically kind of only have your ears open uh, for advice when you are asking for advice well I tend to keep my mouth shut when I'm asking for advice because when I'm talking I, I'm not getting any any input from the person I'm getting advice from so all the if I'm talking I'm not learning but that's the way I look at it. But do others' ideas and just their maybe their lifestyles or the current things they are engaging with does that at all? Do you do it kind of take any of that in as advice or to kind of internalize it as advice or in in any way or is it just this pointed? Hey, can I ask your advice on this scenario, this dilemma? Like, where does where does in your mind the distinction come in? So you're, so you're, I'm taking somebody's advice and I'm looking at their situation and in, in taking their advice, given their situation or even, you know, yeah, or even their ideas. I'm or doing thoughts. that. I'm doing that. I'm doing that internally. I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, but you, you're driving a $65,000 truck. That's why you work till you're 70. Like I, I'm not. I'm, I'm evaluating that and I'm, I'm observing that, but I'm not saying that out loud. But if someone's saying to you, oh, I, ret- I, I retired at 55 and pretend that they're saying that to you and they're saying, so you know they retired at 55, but, and you have a conversation with them, you're saying, hey, how's it going? They're 65 now. They're like, oh, you know what? Like, I am so bored. I've been bored for the last 10 years. And you do the math in your head and you're like, oh, that's since they retired. Like, does that, does that, do you hold that as advice or are you specifically going to ask for advice? No, that's definitely advice. Okay. That, that is absolutely advice. So yes. so the, I, I, I only ask that because, and I only try to want to understand your perspective on that because I think, I think that's important in, in the, in this conversation about advice is that an adv- advice may come in kind of convoluted, not convoluted, but just not clear as day ways that we may expect and I think I think those little moments maybe are important to to realize and to appreciate like my friend who retired at 55 when I go to talk to him and I say how's it going that question is very specifically getting seeking advice from my retired friend because he's the he's saying is today Saturday you know because he did every day is the same you know I I don't want to have that conversation but I'm asking him how's it going my whole motivation is to know how is, you know, there's, it's almost like it's an underlying question. How is retiring at 55 going? I, I could ask that question, but I just cut it off at how's it going? And I just, I'm all ears. I'm listening, you know. So what have you been up to? And again, that's, I, 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 I hate to sound horrible. I don't, I'm not really too interested in what he's been doing specifically. I just want to know how he's been, how he's been using his time. What's been occupying his time? I, I, I mean, if he mentions he's, you know, fixing his deck, I might ask a question about it. But I'm really curious what he's doing with, with all his free time. So it, it, that, that is advice. I'm seeking advice. He doesn't know he's giving it, but I am, I'm requesting it and getting it. And I, 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 do, like, I know that is, I mean, I, 
seeking advice that way, I'm sure is it's, it's, it's harmless. Like I, I don't think we're at all encouraging you to ask pointedly pointed questions that are going to, you're going to kind of extract information that's negative or anything. I just, I think that is a valuable way that advice kind of falls into your lap without you realizing, I think it's just a moment of taking moments of uh, to appreciate that information that kind of falls your way. And, and it's also a good way to kind of, I think, ask other people about their experiences, about their life. And, and just all, like you said at the beginning of the show, just opportunities to continually learn and grow. So finally, in this list of reasons we value others' opinions is that we haven't developed a value system yet. So we, we've talked about value systems in a past episode, many past episodes. It's something we always come back to. But Trevor, how does point number five really play out in um, our advice seeking? So if you haven't developed a value system, and we talked about a value system. So an example of mine is I have the financial means to go buy a new car without question, but I don't buy new cars. So confronted with a new car buying decision, it's easy for me. I, I don't buy them. I'm buying a used car. That's what I do. So I don't have to wrestle with that decision. So if you have a value system, that, that, that's one thing I don't need advice on. I, I don't need advice on whether I should buy a new car or a used car. So having a value system, it reduces the amount of advice you're going to actually seek. And it also... And you, you, can get, you can get advice on building a value system for sure. But once you have your value system built, then, for instance, I don't buy new houses. I only buy like a resale house. I've never bought a new house in my life. I never will. I just don't. And that that's just who I am. I'm not judging the people that do. I just have seen it not work out for so many people that I've built a value system that I don't do that. That there's there's headaches in in new houses that I don't want. There's headaches in resale houses that I can live with. So, but I don't I I sought advice to build my values, but once I have them, then it it minimizes the amount of advice I need to seek. And also, I think in in that and here's here's another <laughs> one more. Uh, I I believe in index funds for investing, not individual stocks. So low cost index funds is my investing philosophy. That's my value system. So confront it with a really good deal on a specific stock. I don't have to wrestle with that. I don't have to worry about it. I will never be enticed by it. I just don't buy individual stocks. So two questions from that. One, what piece of advice or or is there a piece of advice that can rock your value system or in an item within your value system? Well, if my value system has been failing me repeatedly, just say the last three used cars I've bought have left me stranded countless times. I may reevaluate that value system and I will seek advice in reevaluating it. You know, maybe I've, you know, there's something changed in used cars and I'm missing it before I actually, you know, revert to $65,000 trucks. <laughs> but, but I just, I, I, I think having a value system is important. It, otherwise you're, you're just, I, I, I don't even know, you would be asking advice constantly if you didn't have a value system. I, I do like, I do really like that kind of distinction that your value systems should be 
this kind of really core, can't be shaken thing that exists in your life that keeps you grounded, but that it doesn't mean that it can't be revised via advice from trusted others. And the other thing too, that pretend a piece of advice uh, fell in your lap through kind of asking for advice about something else, pretend it is about investing. You, you kind of, it's kind of a way to not internalize all the advice that you're getting. You can kind of just compartmentalize that piece of advice, kind of set it aside, know that you've already got a value system in place for that little piece of advice. You can kind of filter through the advice you're receiving. So it, it, the faster processing and, and also less dis- decision fatigue as well. That's true. Here's an example. So my friend who retired at 55, he is a car guy. He loves his new cars. He's very shiny cars are important to him. And we both uh, want to retire at 55. He places an extremely high value in cars. And for me, they're mere transportation. So there's a guy, I seek his advice, but not about cars. So that's uh, unique. But I do appreciate his approach to home improvements and home repairs. He's a very resourceful person. And he won't just throw money at problems. He likes to be resourceful and try to solve them old school. And so I do seek his advice for that. So knowing the person you're getting advice from and knowing them at a, at a really fine level is important. And, and knowing what their value system is as well. Like I, that's such an incredible key point that intertwines into uh, getting advice from individuals. So that brings us to the end of our three kind of micro lists that we discussed today. So we kind of started with uh, discussing people who we may seek advice from, how to know that we are giving value to the advice we are seeking, and reasons why we may even seek the, these opinions from others. I want to kind of conclude by talking, it's just one final concluding question, is should we give, uh, should we value other people's opinion, other people's advice, other people's philosophical advice? And I have an answer to this. Trevor, I'm curious of, of yours. I mean, I think we've narrowed it down to yes, but are there any kind of key reasons for your belief in this? I really don't think you can afford to make all the mistakes in life on your own. You you have to learn from other people's mistakes and you you learn from their advice. You know, don't it, it, actually some of the best advice you'll get was don't do what I did. That that is advice I have all day for. Is somebody telling me their mistake that they don't want me to make. I like that cuz it speaks volumes to the transparency, the honesty, the willingness to help that person through 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 their journey and 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 not kind of stumble into like you said the same kind of challenges they faced if i had to answer this question myself i've had two kind of key key areas to bring up when uh when you ask yourself should you give weight to other people's opinions and my two are my two yeses are for yes to those people who have the same values as you and yes to people who have achieved what you hope to achieve. I think those two areas are really important places, I believe, that we should say yes to uh, reaching for and valuing other people's opinions. And on that note, that brings us to the very end of today's show on personal finance advice. 
If you'd like to weigh in on today's episode with any of your thoughts uh, related to other people's advice, when other people's advice have benefited you or maybe not benefited you, and who you seek advice from consistently, we'd love to hear that from you. You can always reach out to us via our contact submission form at livelifesimple.ca through email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or through our social media platforms. We are on Facebook and Instagram. You can always send us a message there and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being here with us this week for a new episode. We can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.